heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of WSFI 88.5 FM, Healing the Whole Person. I'm your, uh, actually, I'm not your host. We have a much better host than me here today. (laughs) This is Angela Tomlinson uh, to kick off the show. Our host today is Letty Medina and her friend, Ian Vucic. I'm going to say it correctly one day, Ian. Tell me again. (laughs) Uh, That's actually very good, but that's the Croatian way of saying it. But in English, it's Vucic. Vucic. Yes. Uh, Anne was born in a little village two miles from Medjugorje, Bosnia-Herzegovina, a place of alleged Marian apparitions since 1981. Her family moved to the United States when she was two years old. Painful adolescent experiences led to destructive behaviors in her early teens. I find that hard to believe in because you're always smiling. You know, it's so funny. I don't, I don't recognize this woman and the woman sitting in the studio. That's the power of God. That's, That's what we're here to talk about. That's the power of Almighty God. You're always smiling, just like Letty. Uh, in the summer of 1981, at the age of 15, Anne returned to her homeland for a summer vacation. Shortly after she got there, a life-changing encounter with the Lord through the intercession of the Queen of Peace, there you go, brought great healing into Anne's hearts and forever changed the trajectory of her life. And I'm going to hand this over to Letty and let you uh, pick up where we where I'm leaving off here because okay. you you and uh, Anne are very close friends, are you not? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so so yeah, go ahead. it's a real joy for me to to be here with my dear friend and sister in Christ. Uh, we've been friends for over 21 years, and um, I, I am the one who invited her to participate because she has an amazing story of. God's healing and mercy and guidance in her life. And um, I've heard her share her witness many times and it touches so many people's hearts that I thought it was a perfect story to share on the radio because we'd reach more people with her beautiful witness. So Anne, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your childhood experiences and how that um, did bring a lot of woundedness to your heart as a young child. Well, first of all, I wanna say thank you to Angela for inviting me back here and Letty for coordinating all of this. Um, It really is a joy um, anytime that um, I can talk about the power of God in my life. It's such a joy because because if he's done something in my life, he can do something in, in, in anybody's lives. And I think it's important to share stories of healing so that people can have hope and Amen. believe that change is possible in their own life as well. So I'm really happy to be, be here to be able to share that. Um, yes, uh, so a little bit about um, kind of the before of, uh, of my encounter with God, before, before all of that, what happened. Um, as Angela read in, uh, in the little bio beforehand, um, I was born in a little village just outside Medjugorje, and uh, my family moved to this country when I was two years old. And we initially lived on the south side of Chicago as new immigrants to this country. And then when I started fifth grade, we actually moved uh, not too far from where we're sitting in the studio today, um, up to Waukegan, Illinois, and um, I started at a new school, and this, it was a small Catholic school with a very small student body. And most of the other students had been um, in that school from the very beginning together. So I was the newcomer, I was the outsider, and I was different. You know, I had um, parents who didn't speak English. Um, I brought 
you know, different foods for lunch to school because I brought the foods of my culture. Um, I, my name was different. My, I go by Anne, but my real name is Ankitsa. Nobody could ever say that. There were lots of things about me that were very different. And so as a result, um, it led to um, a lot of bullying. And um, that started pretty much when I started at the school. And um, that b- bullying um, continued through eighth grade. And it progressively got worse. And over the years, over those four years from, or five years from fifth grade to eighth grade, it really became an incredibly painful thing in my life. Um, it was, it got to be so severe that I would come home from school um, every day and literally I would run up to my bedroom and I would cre- scream and cry into my pillow. And, you know, it was something that I didn't want to share with anybody because I believed what the kids were telling me. I thought I was defective. I thought something was wrong with me. And I wanted to hide that from my family. I didn't want them to know that something was wrong with me. And so it was something that I never shared with anybody, but I would come home and just sit in that pain in my own heart and soul in my bedroom. And um, what started to happen for me was that um, I became very angry, um, you know, years of, of being verbally abused and um, having all kinds of things said about me and to me and behind my back and in front of me, um, that really leaves a, a painful toll on a, uh, especially on a child that young, on, on your heart and soul. And I developed into really a very angry child. And, um, you know, I remember those years, um, every other word out of my mouth seemed like a swear word. Um, I, um, I was not in a good mood a lot of the time. And um, it you know, you when you're going through times like that, you try to find ways to um, fit in, ways to soothe yourself. And so I started getting involved in destructive behaviors. Um, I started smoking pot. I think it was sixth grade, probably end of sixth grade, something like that. I started, um, I started drinking. Um, and it really got to the point where I remember thinking so many times, if this is what my life is like now, what is my life going to be like 15 years from now, 20 years from now. And, you know, I had enough sense that things were not going well at the time to recognize that this was a problem. And yet I didn't know how to do anything about it because the source of it was external to me. It was the, it was the stuff that I was going through at school. And, you know, I grew up in a very loving Catholic family. Um, I had lots of uh, religious sisters, um, uh, nuns on my father's side of the family. My mom's brother was a priest. He was our pastor for many years. So I grew up in the faith, uh, but I really came to the point where um, I thought, you know what, I don't understand why God would allow something like this to happen. Um, It didn't make sense to me that a God that I had heard in school was a loving God would allow a child to go through the kind of suffering um, and the kind of pain that I was going through. And so I came to the point of really basically not believing in him. Um, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to have anything to do with faith or spirituality or God. And I basically kind of claimed to be an atheist. So that was kind of a little bit of the background. That was um, who I was from the age of fifth grade up until um, well, the, the bullying continued up until eighth grade, but after eighth grade, my family moved to a new town, and so we left all of those people behind, and I started fresh. And so the bullying stopped after eighth grade, but I was still that, that same person up until the age of 15. And then at the age of 15, everything changed. And this is where the, the beauty of God's um, amazing grace comes into your life in a powerful way. 
So why don't you share about that beautiful summer? Yeah, you know, I've shared this so many stories so many times, and um, I never tire of sharing just the amazing ways of the Lord. Um, Yeah, it was the summer of 1981, and I had just finished my sophomore year of high school, and um, my family decided that we were going to go on a family vacation to visit our homeland. Um, As I mentioned at the beginning, I was born two miles from Medjugorje, so we were going to, uh, at the time, it was still uh, communist Yugoslavia. Um, Today, those countries are now called Bosnia, Herzegovina, and Croatia, and so we had, uh, my parents decided that we were all going to spend the summer there visiting all of our friends, spending time on the Adriatic coast, just enjoying the summer as a family. And so we left, I'll never forget. Um, they pulled us out of school a few days early. In fact, in fact, it's kind of significant. I just realized today is June 13th. The reason that they pulled us out of school early was because June 13th, the Feast of St. Anthony, is a huge celebration in the Medjugorje region. <laughs> And so um, my parents wanted to be there for that celebration. So that celebration is going on today as well in that region. And so they pulled us out of school so that we could be there for the great feast of St. Anthony. And so we got there June 9th, 1981. And uh, we, you know, we just kind of, home base was our village. And so um, we were at our home village. And um, one day, it was a Saturday morning, I'll never never forget. It was June 27th, 1981. It was a day that, you know, when I woke up that day, um, I could have had no idea that I was going to go to bed a totally different person that night. And and that's really the power of God at work. You never, ever, ever know when you might wake up someday and God is going to touch your heart and change your entire reality. Amen. And amen. Amen. And that's what happened to me on June 27th. Um, the Just to describe what happened that day, um, my dad and my sister and I planned to go shopping in, a, a, in the nearby town, and uh, we got there before the shops opened, and so while uh, before, so we, we decided to go for a walk just to kind of kill some time and uh, waiting for the shops to open, and while we were walking, my dad ran into a cousin of his that he had not seen in many years. And so he invited the man to join us for coffee. And so the four of us, my dad, my sister, and I, and this cousin went for uh, a a coffee at an outdoor cafe. And after a few minutes of conversation, the man leaned into my father and he started whispering something to him. And I remember being really irritated that he was whispering something like, what is this that I can't know? I was all, I was probably swearing in my head at him. (laughs) And and then after a few minutes, my father, looked at my sister and I and he had such a look of shock on his face and you know my dad was always a very calm stable steady person and I'd never seen him look shocked like that before and I remember being a little bit a little bit afraid of like what's going on why is he so shocked and he leaned over to the table to my sister and I and he whispered words that forever changed the course of my life and what he said is that um, my cousin just told me that Uh, The Gospa, as we call her in Croatian, the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, she's appeared over in Medjugorje. And I can say that um, in that moment, when I heard those words, everything in me changed. Um, It was a moment, you know, I didn't understand at the time what was happening. I was 15 years old. I didn't know spiritual language at the time. But I just knew that something profound happened. And it felt like all of that anger, all of the pain, um, all of the sorrow that had been built up in my heart over all of those years, it was like it all melted away to the ground around me. And in place of all of that, my heart was just filled 
with this presence. And I didn't know what the presence was. I just knew that it came from the news of Our Lady's apparitions over in Medjugorje. So my first thought was, I have to go there. I have to go there. And I, I remember thinking, if this is real, and I instantly believed it was real, but I remember thinking, if this is real, then God is real. And if God is real, then I have to take him seriously. And that moment was the turning point in my life. That's when everything changed in my heart and in my soul. That is so beautiful. And I know that that um, kind of experience has happened to many, many people across the globe because millions of people have traveled to this little village in the middle of nowhere um, to learn about Our Lady's uh, uh, apparitions, alleged mm-hmm. apparitions, mm-hmm. And, uh, and their hearts have been changed. Uh, you know, lots yeah. of miraculous conversions mm-hmm. just like yours mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit more about what you did that summer then to get yeah. there well um you know when we came home from that shopping excursion uh, my mind and my heart was was just filled with this this event with this um with this presence that was within me and um my parents decided that day that they were going to go to Medjugorje um because they one of my dad's cousins was a is a Franciscan sister, who at the time was serving in St. James Parish. And so they decided, you know what, let's go over there and see what's going on. We'll talk to her, we'll talk to the priests, we'll find out what the deal is. So that afternoon they went there, and I just want to put this a little bit in context. Um, you know, this was 1981, um, so obviously not, not only was there not internet or social media or anything like that, but in, in the villages of Bosnia-Herzegovina, very few people had phones, um, there were only a few people that had cars. And so it was not like there was a reliable way of conveying information. And yet, that afternoon when my parents went there, um, they got to the base of Apparition Hill, where Our Lady first appeared. And there were already, day four of the apparitions, there were already thousands and thousands and thousands of people on that hill. And I like to say sometimes, it's almost like the, the... the, the wind of the spirit carried the message throughout the countryside and just whispered it into people's ears. It, it just seemed like that because it spread just so incredibly fast. And I spent that summer um, really going to Medjugorje every day that I could. Sometimes we weren't in that part of the country if we were visiting different family members. Um, but I went there every single day that I could. And um, I'll never forget, too, that... Um, uh, you know, my heart was filled with this overwhelming presence of God that, that that entire time. And all I could think, you know, we might have been sailing on the Adriatic, but all I could think was, I want to be back in Medjugorje. Or we might have been visiting some of my favorite family members, and all I could think was, I want to be back in Medjugorje. It was, it was the only thing I wanted to do. It was the only place I wanted to be. And to me, it, it was a shock because I remember who I was just a few months before that. <laughs> I remember I was the kid that used to, you know, argue about going to mass on Sundays and here I was desperate to go there every day and it was a mark it was a sign to me that really something had happened to me something real and profound and but you know one of the interesting things and this is I think um, this was a huge lesson for me right before we came home I started uh, uh, I started getting depressed because I started thinking that oh my gosh I'm going to get home and this experience that I've had it's going to stop here I won't have that same experience when I go home. And so I was really concerned about that. I was really worried about that. Um, and what I found when I came home, not only did that con- experience continue, but it, but it grew. And it, it, it's a confirmation 
um, that it really, of, of course, I know this today, but t- at the time I didn't. It's a confirmation that it truly was the Lord at work because when the Lord touches our hearts, he touches it to make a change. You know, he doesn't just want to give us temporary highs. Lots of things out there offer us temporary highs or, you know, feel good for a little while. But the Lord wants to make permanent changes in our hearts and souls. He wants to make changes that impact our soul, our reality, our eternity, all of our friends. And that's really what happened to me. That's, 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 um, that's the God that I encountered that summer. And and it's, you know, what led me to even be sitting in this chair here today, you know, because exactly. that walk with him has continued. Exactly. I'd like to interject here that um, Anne, we jokingly uh, call Anne the first American convert. <laughs> we can't prove that that's the case, but she is very li- likely one of the first, if not the first American converts to really, like, give your whole life mm-hmm to the Lord and to our Blessed Mother and to spreading the messages mm-hmm. of Medjugorje. Well, you know, that is funny. Uh, many years ago, um, I decided to write up my story. I had never shared my story publicly, and so I decided to write up my story of my own conversion and kind of being a witness to the beginning events of Medjugorje. And I submitted it to a magazine, um, a magazine that's uh, devoted to the spreading of the Medjugorje messages. And when I submitted my story, um, I never uh, I never put a title to it. I just wrote up my story and sent it. And then when they published the story, I opened the magazine and I was, I was shocked and I have to say, almost a little bit uncomfortable because they labeled it the first American conversion in Medjugorje. (laughs) And uh, the funny thing is the reason I was uncomfortable was I thought, I don't know that. I I don't know if I'm the first. And yet, as I think about it now, it probably is true that, you know, it was the fourth day of the apparitions. Um, Obviously, no Americans would have been there for any reason because it's the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Exactly, and uh, so it probably is true that I probably was the first one of one of, if not the first American convert, convert through the apparitions of Our Lady in Medjugorje. And then I just want to sh- say that you know one of the reasons that Anne and I are such close friends is because I also uh, had my own conversion and the beginning of healing um, through Our Lady of Medjugorje, and it was no surprise that the Lord brought us together during a Marian conference that was focused on the messages of Medjugorje, and so we met and have become lifelong friends. Well, and our, our many years of uh, friendship, you know, so often we would sit and just very excitedly talk about the amazing things that the Lord has done in our lives, the amazing healings, the amazing conversions that we've been able to witness, and just our, our the, own jo- the joy that we have in our own hearts about this journey that the Lord has led us on. So it really is, um, you know, when the Lord brings conversion, he brings it to so many areas of our lives, and f- for me, one of the areas that he brought it to was even in my relationships, you know, I... I'd had some destructive relationships in years past, and he's brought some really holy friends into my life, and, and, and just, you know, that, that gift of holy friendship has really made a difference in my whole world. I, that's one of my favorite topics, as you know. Yes, it is. Holy friendship. <laughs> um, and I have many more people to recommend to Angela uh, to bring on the show that are dear friends, family members that have experienced powerful healings through our dear Lord. And their, their witnesses are so powerful, and we do need to share their stories because as people hear the amazing power of God, they, their hope is renewed that perhaps their own suffering can be relieved if they yes. seek out the Lord who is the divine physician. So. And, you know, um, over the years, I've, um, I've often wondered, you know, Lord, why did you touch me so young? Why did you change my heart and my life at such an early age? At a time when 
I didn't know anybody else at the age of 15 who, um, you know, who had, who was going through the kinds of things that I was going through. And I didn't know anybody who had, you know, that, that kind of passion for faith that I was suddenly given. And what, I, what I've come to realize since then is that, um, you know, through prayer and discernment, he's allowed me to experience what I've experienced so that I can, so that I can help other people encounter the same thing. And that really is the greatest joy of my heart. I love helping people through, whether it's through pilgrimages or speaking about, you know, Medjugorje or different subjects on spirituality. I love helping people come to know that reality that our God is a God who heals, who changes, who converts, who, who makes our lives new. And that's why it's such a joy to be here today. Thank you. So the next part of Anne's story that I wanted to start sharing um, before the break is just a little bit about how where did the Lord lead you next as you entered your college years, et cetera? Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, as I said, I, I really wanted to be able to help other people encounter God. And um, I sought ways to do that uh, after college. Um, I got very involved during college. I got very involved in all kinds of ministry things. And after college, um, I tried to find work in ministry. Um, in all kinds of ways and in all kinds of places and it didn't work and so I did what a lot of people do when they don't know what else to do I went to graduate school <laughs> and um, so I did that and still with the heart with with the deepest desire of my heart being to work in ministry and um, all the ways that I tried to make that happen it just didn't work and so I came to a point where I said Lord I'm gonna go on with my life as I see the doors opening I'm here, I'm available if you want to open those doors and lead me into the path of ministry. I'm here, but but I need to kind of get on with being practical and, you know, yeah. all of those realities of life. And so I worked as a social worker for many years. But in 1999, uh, 20 years ago, the Lord called me out of that and into full-time ministry. So um, today my life focuses really on what I love the most, and that is helping other people encounter God through all different kinds of ways. Yeah. And I I have, again, been able to see Anne give um, a number of different talks. Um, So stay tuned uh, after this break and uh, listen in to what um, she has been able to do in working with the Medjugorje visionaries, sharing her own personal witness, and a variety of different ways of reaching out to people and sharing the love of God. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Voice of Letty Medina and Ian Vucic, and we'll be right back. Mark your calendars for the rummage sale at St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Come on out on Friday, June 21st, 9 to 6, Saturday, June 22nd, 9 to 3, and on Sunday, June 23rd from 1 to 4. There will also be a bake sale and food will also be available. Something for everyone. For more information, please call 263-515-3973. Are you retired or near retirement? 
Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Hello, I'm Sister Marie Julie. I've been a Sister of Charity for 50 wonderful years. It's by the grace of God that I'm a sister. And I often listen to Catholic radio. And I, I feel that it feeds the hunger of the world. There are so many people who are longing for God, yearning for Him, don't realize where the emptiness comes from or where it's going. And Catholic radio can help to meet that need. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Hello, welcome back. Um, this is Letty Medina, and you are listening to the voice of Ann Busick. Um, we're having a great conversation about healing uh, that she experienced in her own personal life, as well as um, the healings surrounding Medjugorje. And so, we're going to continue by um, I'm going to ask Ann to share a little bit about uh, what the Vatican has said recently about Medjugorje, since there has been a lot of confusion about the stance of the church on Medjugorje today. Yeah, thanks, Letty, for asking that question. Um, I love having the opportunity to speak about this because uh, there is a lot of, uh, I think, confusion and misunderstanding about the current stand uh, of the church regarding uh, Medjugorje. And so I really um, am happy to have the opportunity to clarify that. And and what I really want to highlight is two, sp- um, two specific events, um, two specific announcements from the Vatican that I think will really... Uh, help people to understand the current position of the church with regard to Medjugorje. And the first one was um, last July, so just uh, just uh, almost a year ago, um, in July of 2018, uh, the Vatican um, named Archbishop Henrik Hoser, who is the retired Archbishop of Warsaw, Poland. Um, they named him to be the permanent, and his official title is the Apostolic Visitator to the Parish of St. James in Medjugorje. Basically, what that means is that um, he has been placed in authority over Medjugorje, um, and uh, which means that in terms of the, the running of the shrine itself, the running of the parish and everything related to the pilgrimages and to the pilgrims has been taken out of the hands of the local bishop and placed in the hands of Archbishop Hoser. And Archbishop Hoser uh, reports directly to the Vatican, direct reports directly to our Holy Father. And this is a hugely significant event. Um, it, you know, they, uh, it means that the church is taken very seriously, uh, Medjugorje, and um, Primarily, what it what it points to, um, his appointment as the apostolic visitator is not so much a statement about the authenticity of the events. Um, that's yet to be determined. The church is still investigating that, but it, it really is a statement of the church's recognition of the great 
incredible, powerful fruits of Medjugorje, and that there needs to be a constant presence there, um, somebody um, in an official capacity who will tend to the needs of the pilgrims, and that really is Archbishop Hoser's uh, uh, role there. And uh, what's interesting to note about Archbishop Hoser's background is that uh, before he was the Bishop of Warsaw, um, he had spent 21 years in um, Af- in Africa, in uh, Rwanda, and um, for uh, much of that time, he was the, uh, the nuncio for the country, the papal nuncio for the country of Rwanda, and he had a huge part to do with the uh, eventual approval of the only church-approved site of apparitions in Africa, which are in Rwanda, the apparitions of Kibeho, Rwanda. So, the same archbishop who brought the apparitions of Kibeho, Rwanda, to the point of being approved, has now been sent to Medjugorje. Interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. It, you know what? I, I'm just reading the signs of the times, as Our Lady often in Medjugorje says. Exactly. You know, I'm reading between the it's lines. It's hopeful. It's hopeful, yes. And um, when you read the statements of Archbishop Hoser, he has been unbelievably positive um, about Medjugorje. He has publicly, in interviews and press conferences, he has said things like, uh, Medjugorje is the spiritual lungs of Europe. He has said Medjugorje is light in these times of darkness. He has said um, that Medjugorje is hope for the world. Um, and he is encouraging more and more pilgrims to come. So, as I said at the beginning, there's two f- specific events that I wanted to highlight from the Vatican. The first is the naming of Archbishop Hoser. The second is something that just happened a few weeks ago. Um, some of the listeners may have heard about this. Um, I can tell you I was super excited when I woke up on Mother's Day and I saw this news. Um, on Mother's Day this last year, the uh, Vatican announced that now official pilgrimages to Medjugorje are officially allowed. And let me just clarify that by saying um, pilgrims always were allowed to go to Medjugorje. There was never a ban on pilgrims visiting Medjugorje, and priests were always allowed to go as spiritual accompaniment accompaniment to the pilgrims. However, uh, previously, no parish, no diocese, no official Catholic entity was allowed to officially organize a parish. Um, uh, for that parish. So now that ban has been lifted. Now any Catholic entity, any Catholic parish, diocese, organization can officially organize pilgrimages to Medjugorje. That is hugely exciting. And so I think that's indications of things to come. Um, You know, the appointment of Hoser along with the statement now that that pilgrimages are officially allowed. Very, very exciting times for those of us who follow Medjugorje. Well, and uh, very exciting for people like me whose whole conversion came about through a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Exactly. So I just want as many people as possible (laughs) to get the opportunity if they're interested and they feel called uh, to visit that beautiful place to have that experience of healing and conversion that is available through our Lord anywhere and everywhere, but in a special way. It's available in Medjugorje. And, and it, you know, um, we don't need to go anywhere to experience the power of God, right? Exactly. We can experience it in the sacramental life in our own parishes. However, I will say this, that there is some kind of a special grace that yes. is present in Medjugorje. I can't explain what it is. It's, it's something that heaven knows, but... Um, there is an incredible grace that is available there that um, that it just seems to be people have an easier time of encountering God there for whatever reason than they do at home. And so, you know, 
do you have to go there? No, nobody has to go there. Do you have to believe in Medjugorje? No, we don't. We're not required to believe it. Absolutely. But it is. It does seem to be a place that the Lord has chosen uh, for His own reasons to pour out graces in a special way. Exactly, and that and that I've heard this said over and over again, and it certainly was my experience that um, the peace that you feel there is just a tremendous. Um, gift from heaven that you can't find easily in today's crazy world. Yes, exactly. And you know, um, we we know you know there's lots of places where Our Lady has appeared over the years, right? Um, and you know, for example, Lourdes when she appeared in Lourdes, Lourdes has since become known as a place of great healings. Exactly. Uh, but I, I would like to touch on um, the healings that happen through Medjugorje as well, because. You know, the focus of this show really is healing. And um, healings, as we know, come in all, all shapes and sizes. You know, there's physical healings, there's emotional healings, spiritual healings. There's all kinds of healings. And um, one of the greatest ways that healings happen in Medjugorje is through the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And uh, Medjugorje has become known, um, kind of the official quote-unquote nickname <laughs> of Medjugorje, if you want to call it that, is the confessional of the world. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. That's just so beautiful. And just describe a little bit how the confessionals are lined up there, because that's a powerful image. Yes. Uh, well, so there's the church, the Church of St. James. Do you mean physically? Physically, yeah. yeah. There's the Church of St. James, and then on either side of the church, there's rows, there's like an entire row of confessionals. So on one side of the church, it's for the Croatian-speaking priests who are there, and I think there's like maybe 30 confessionals there. And on the other side of the church, it's for all of the the foreign priests that are there, you know, all of the non-Croatian-speaking priests. And um, there's probably about... I don't know, 15 or 20 confessionals on that side of the church. However, most priests basically from like April until October, they just quote unquote set up shop. (laughs) (laughs) They grab a couple of chairs and they set up shop outside. And so one of the most beautiful sights you will ever see in the entire world is when you're walking around the church grounds of Medjugorje, you will see priest after priest after priest, sometimes as many as a hundred priests or more, sitting there hearing confessions, lines and lines of people, um, you know, sitting there. And and by the way, let me just, I just want to kind of share a quick story of how Medjugorje, uh, how confession became so important to Medjugorje. And um, in the very beginning of the apparitions, um, in the first in the first year or two, I don't know the exact date when this happened, but at one point, um, some of the people who were present with the visionaries asked if uh, Our Lady would allow them to touch her gown. And so during the apparition, uh, the visionaries asked Our Lady, um, some people here would like to know if they could touch you, and she nodded and said, okay. And so the visionaries then took the hands of some of the people that were present and guided their hands to touch the hem of her gown. And when they did, dark spots appeared on her, on her gown, which of course indicated this, you know, well, the people, the visionaries understood that it indicated the state of the soul of those people. And when the apparition finished, somebody there yelled out to, there were probably a couple of hundred people there. Somebody yelled out, everybody run to confession. We got to run to confession. And all these people ran to the parish priest, (laughs) 
who had no idea what was going on. He just suddenly was hit with a couple of hundred people saying, Father, we need to go to confession. (laughs) And that's really how it came to be born. Um, That confession was such a central part of the experience of going to Medjugorje. And it is the place of the greatest healings that happen. And, you know, it's true that you know, if somebody's been healed of a of a an illness of a life threatening illness, of course that's huge and significant. But really, the most powerful healings are the ones that happen in the soul when somebody who's been away from confession for forty years, fifty years, sixty years, finally comes back and receives the great mercy of God. So that's one of the graces of Medjugorje. Exactly, and it's it's so important because so many people are uncomfortable with that sacrament. They're afraid. They're embarrassed. They don't want to speak, you know, their, about their sins and struggles out loud. Um, but they don't understand that that is a healing sacrament, mm-hmm. and that every time they go, they actually receive healing grace into their hearts and souls in a mm-hmm. way that is transforming them from the inside out. And it is one of the greatest graces of Medjugorje, for sure. Do you have any uh, examples of miraculous healings that you can share in the next three minutes before we go to Absolutely. break? Absolutely. Actually, there's one um, that I there's one that particularly came to mind with, uh, at the beginning of this program, and it was. Um, a priest, you know, I, I've taken groups to Medjugorje for many years now, and many years ago, a priest, not from this area, not from um, Illinois, from elsewhere, of course, I won't say his name to protect his confidentiality, but a priest came on pilgrimage with me, and he did not come dressed in clerics. He didn't have a collar, so nobody in the group knew that he was a priest, but he told me that he was, and he told me that he had recently been diagnosed with a brain tumor, and that he... that he was told that he had about six months left to live and that he was discerning in those last six months of his life. And he was very young. He was probably in his mid-30s. And he told me that he was discerning leaving the priesthood because he had fallen in love with a woman. And he came to Medjugorje to discern what he should do. And um, uh, long story, but the short version of it is he had such a profound experience in Medjugorje, such a life-changing experience in Medjugorje, that he realized if he only had six months left to live, he needed to live those li- those six months as a priest. He went home. Um, I lost touch with him for a little while. To be honest, I actually thought he probably had passed away. And then about a couple of years later, um, I... I found out through some mutual friends that actually while he was on the pilgrimage, he had a complete healing of his brain tumor. Praise God. That he was alive. (laughs) Praise God. And that after his healing, the Lord had given him the gift of healing himself. And so he now had a healing ministry. And it's such a, to me, I I just loved that story because it it just shows that, you know, um, how God wants to heal so Desperately, he you know he he healed this man so that he could help heal others, and that's what he does. He touches us so that we could share his power and his beauty and his goodness with those of us who are around him. And that's typically what I have seen too. That when people ex- experience a healing from our Lord, they can't contain the joy, and exactly. they have to go out and share the greatness of his divine mercy and his healing power with others. Exactly. Woe to me if I don't spread the gospel, right? Amen. <laughs> We'll be right back after this short break. And when, when we come back, I think we can talk, uh, we can, if there's more that we want to say about Medjugorje, we can conclude that or we can just uh, go on to our next topic. <laughs> yeah, I want to highlight um, or have Anne highlight and share how she is spreading the gospel message and how she's serving as an evangelist in many different ways. So stay tuned. Will do.
Hello, my name is Mother Mary David. I'm a sister of charity of Our Lady Mother of the Church from Baltic, Connecticut. I think Catholic Radio is really important in the world today because it offers an opportunity to bring God's message to a world that really is starving for that message. So many people are taken up with so many things that are materialistic and the hunger in their soul is left empty. Catholic Radio helps to satisfy that hunger. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Welcome back. Uh, this is Letty Medina with WSFI 88.5 Catholic Radio, Healing the Whole Person. And today we have Ann Busick um, sharing her own personal story of healing as well as some of the amazing healing experiences that she's been privy to um, as she's gone to Medjugorje many, many times. And how many times would you say on average, <laughs> can you kind of even give a ballpark about how many times you've been to that beautiful village? Uh, I don't, <laughs> you know what? I actually don't know if I really even can. Um, there are times where I've spent months there because it is my family home because it's where my family has come from. Um, I've spent, you know, I've spent lots of time there. I've gone, um, there, there was a period of about seven years that I lived there. And, uh, and so while I was not so much in Medjugorje, but a different part. And while I was living there, I was traveling back and forth to Medjugorje quite frequently. So, um, you know, most people that go, they'll go for a week and then they'll come home. Sometimes when I'm there, if I'm in the area, I'll stop by for a couple of days or I'll stop by for a month. <laughs> yeah, so lots so, and lots of times. But in terms of how many groups I've brought over, I, I don't know, dozens, dozens okay. and dozens. And you yes. are you going to continue to take pilgrims to Medjugorje in the coming years? Absolutely. You know what? Um, as I see the, the doors um, uh, to Medjugorje opening in terms of its official status in the church, um, it makes me really excited because, because you know, when you look at um, what is, uh, you know, heaven, our, our Lady doesn't just appear for no reason. There's always a reason why she appears. And those reasons have to do with things that are happening in the world at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a reason why she came to Fatima. There was a reason why she came to Lourdes, you know. Um, and there's a reason why she came to Medjugorje. And I think the role, I, you know, I, I personally happen to believe, and I know many people who believe this, people who are much more, uh, um, uh, have much more authority than I do, that uh, Medjugorje is one of the most important things happening in the world today. And uh, I feel a personal call, a personal invitation to help people learn more about the messages of Our Lady, to help people encounter 
that reality of God in our lives through the through Medjugorje through uh, through this incredible place. So I absolutely will be continuing. <laughs> awesome. Stay tuned to to Stay learn tuned. how you can get in touch with Anne after this show. Um, the other thing I, I one of my favorite stories um, about your um, your history is how God brought you to the place to be able to get up and stand up in front of <laughs> lots of people. And sh- you know me too well. Yes, I do. So share a little bit about yes. that. Um, you know, as somebody who uh, who went through a lot of painful experiences in childhood, it left me very shy, reserved. I didn't want to expose myself to people in terms of, you know, like I wanted to always stay below the radar. And one of the ways that manifested in my life was this extreme fear of public speaking almost to the point of being phobic it was uh horrible i mean like in college i always looked to see if a class required any speeches if it did i avoided that class like the plague uh you know anytime i would have to be in a circumstance where i might possibly have to speak in front of a group even if that group was three people um i ran for the hills so (laughs) that i i was deathly afraid of saying anything publicly and um one time I was asked by a woman in Chicago who was kind of helping to spread the Medjugorje message as many years ago. She said that a priest was coming from Croatia who uh, who was going to be speaking about the messages, and she knew that I spoke Croatian, and so she asked me to come translate for him. And I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, she she said, you know, she called me several times, and she was insistent. She said, I don't know who else to get. You need to be the one, blah, blah, blah. In the end, I just felt like this was something that I needed to do. Um, but the, the, for, for several weeks beforehand, I was petrified. I was ter- I can't tell you the level of fear that I felt. And, I, you know, I, I love even just reflecting on this story because it shows that when the Lord has called you to something, He will prepare you. He will equip you. He will get you ready for it. And uh, we can never let fear be something that stands in our way. And I was very close to letting fear stand in my way that day. Yeah. I think if I didn't get up and translate for the priest that one time i don't know that i would do any be doing any of the stuff that i do today but anyway that day came and i i mean my palms were sweaty my heart was pounding it was it was horrible i didn't i kept thinking i don't know how i'm going to do this and it was probably one of the few times in my life that i was happy that the blessed sacrament was at a side altar of the church and not in the center because um, i went directly to the tabernacle and i knelt right in front of the tabernacle and i was like man, Lord, you better show up because <laughs> I don't think I can do this. And I just was, I was a wreck. And I remember so clearly standing in the sacristy, waiting for them to announce this priest. And I had to walk across the altar with him to the to the ambo and just a wreck. Well, as, the, as we were crossing from the sacristy to the other side of the altar, this unbelievable peace descended on my heart and soul. Uh, instantaneously, just the instantaneous peace of God. And when I got to that ambo 15 seconds later, and I opened my mouth to start translating, I could hear this unbelievable peace in my voice that that I knew was not my own. And actually the priest kind of looked at me like shocked, like, wait, what happened? (laughs) And I looked back at him like I kind of raised my eyebrows, like, I don't know. And of course I understand now that it was the power of God healing me of that of that phobia of public speaking because that was something he was going to ask me to do many times in the future, stand up in front of groups and speak, whether it was to translate for visionaries or priests or whether it was to speak for myself. 
It's so beautiful. And it is really important for anyone who's listening in that may be facing a similar obstacle in their life, especially if you're called to do something for the Lord, trust that he is going to give you the grace to overcome that obstacle because it's his work. If he wants you to do it, he's going to give you the grace to do it. I think a mistake that sometimes people make, and I certainly uh, made this mistake before, was thinking that if the Lord calls me to something, he will, um, he'll make me comfortable with it, <laughs> and then I'll have to go out and do it. No. <laughs> and, and really, my, you know, maybe for some people it works that way. It's never worked that way in my life. I've found that when he has called me to do something, it has always involved being willing to take a risk, being willing to step out of that comfort zone, being willing to do something that is difficult. Because when you do that, you have to rely on him. You can't, you're not relying on your own strength. You're not relying on your own resources, your own gifts and your own talents. You are throwing yourself into the palm of God and, and hoping he'll be there to show up. That's and so he beautiful. always shows up big time. That's so beautiful. Um, so one, one other thing, just share briefly, um, you have interpreted for how many of the Medjugorje visionaries? Um, I've probably, in, I think I, I've only not interpreted for one of them. So at various different points, I've okay. interpreted for all of them. I've interpreted for a lot of the Medjugorje priests. Um, yeah, so. Five, five of the six yes, Medjugorje visionaries. Yep, um, you also are personal friends with um, Colleen Willard, mm-hmm. who received another amazing yes. healing. She's had, yeah, she she was supposed to die, actually. And uh, she was in a wheelchair. She was healed. Um, I don't want to tell her story for her, but she is one of those beautiful healings that came out of Medjugorje. Absolutely. Exactly. And in this last minute that we have before we. Uh, go to you know the end of the show I just want to ask how can people reach out to you if they'd like to invite you to tell your story yes thanks Um, yeah I I go out and I speak about Medjugorje and if people want information about that or want information about how to go to Medjugorje you're welcome to text me or email me my email is uh, um, Ann Vusick A-N-N V as in Victor U-C-I-C at gmail that's Ann Vusick at gmail.com and I just want to throw in a, a strong recommendation I've had her at our pair several times, and I, you will not be disappointed. She's talked to our um, young people, our confirmation students. Um, they come out saying, I've never been so uh, touched by the beauty of her witness, because they can really relate to being bullied and, you know, that kind of thing. So um, thank you all for being here. And for WSFI 88.5 Catholic Radio, Letty Medina saying goodbye healing the whole person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace 